Hey, welcome to ACF Church, and we're so glad that you're with us watching this message online. And our hope is that it would encourage you to be more like Jesus and walk closely with Him as an apprentice of Christ. And our hope is to give away all of these resources for free as much as possible. It takes a lot of time and energy and people to make that happen. And if you'd like to support the mission of God financially for ACF Church, you can go to acfak.org and you can give there. Now enjoy the Word of God proclaimed. Well, good morning, ACF. We're so glad that you're here with us today. Would everybody welcome up Brent and Liz Hoffman for us today? So if you're like, well, who are Brent and Liz Hoffman? Uh, Brent and Liz have been part of our ACF family uh, for a lot of years. And so uh, Brent was one of our elders, and both of these guys have served faithfully as part of ACF Church. Then about four years ago, we sent them to Czech Republic, and uh, they've been doing an amazing work there, getting to know the language, getting to know the people. And we're so excited to have you guys in Alaska with us here for a little bit. But we just want to spend a couple minutes together. In fact, I think we're standing in Prague here. What's this what's this location this is the charles bridge the charles bridge so this is in downtown prague somewhere okay awesome so um it's just a beautiful place to be i was able to visit you guys and um a question just for if you don't know uh brent and liz it'd just be good for you kind of hear their heart a little a little bit um you know we have a world full of people that need to hear the gospel have a world full of people that need Jesus. And, and so why Czech Republic? Of all the places that you guys could go, why would you guys feel called there? Well, first, I want to say thank you to ACF Church for being an awesome sending church. We couldn't do what we're doing in Czech Republic if it weren't for you guys. Yeah. And second, I want to bring greetings from our church, Kostelna uh, in Nizhny Miesto. Um, they send their greetings to you. They love ACF. The ripples from ACF go all the way to Prague, Czech Republic. Yeah, that's, and there was, even, there was an outpost happening and maybe still is sometimes there at, uh, at your house. Yeah, that's awesome. So. so the story kind of starts with me. When I was in college, I had an opportunity to take a study trip. We went all over Europe, and Czech Republic was one of the places that we went. A lot happened during that trip, but the most significant thing was I met some missionaries, and they said, you should stay here. You should come and work with us. And at that moment, God planted a seed in my heart, and that seed grew over the years, no matter where we lived. Um, God put Czech people across our path. My story is a little different. Um, I was involved in some different ministries, and everywhere that I was, I had a sense that, oh, this is a great place for me to be. But I noticed in Liz's life that Czech Republic was like this thread in the tapestry of her life, and it just kept popping up. So we decided in 2013 to do a ministry exploration trip as like a next step to see if God perhaps had Czech Republic for us in our future. And during that trip and on a number of subsequent ministry exploration trips, we sensed God saying in an almost audible voice, you're not done here. Take another step take a bigger step. And so one of the big steps that we took was in 2017 to be standing up here on this stage and having ACF commission us to go to Czech Republic uh, to serve there in Prague with an organization called Team. Yeah. So that's, that's what our story is like. The, the, need, the need in Czech Republic, I want to give you two numbers. 2972. 29%, only 29% of 
adults in Czech Republic say that they believe in God. Hmm. 72% of adults in Czech Republic are religiously unaffiliated. So they basically see no purpose or no reason to practice any kind of religion. So it's not on their radar screens. So the need is great. The need is great. Yeah, when, when we were there, uh, you guys shared that really Prague is the most atheistic city in the most atheistic country in the world. And uh, there's just so much need there. And in America, you know, people struggle with God in a lot of different ways. Certainly there's a growing number of people who don't believe there is a God. Uh, but one of the struggles, you know, people struggle with, why do bad things happen to good people? And why would God allow this? And so God language exists in the United States in ways that it doesn't in Europe and in, um, in Czech Republic. And so another level of darkness beyond people being angry with God is just feeling like God is completely irrelevant. Uh, Most churches are museums in Czech Republic. And so we love that there's a thriving church there with just a little bit of ACF DNA uh, living in it there in uh, in Prague. So uh, what does progress look like then with with such difficult soil, um, with people who really don't want to talk about spiritual things? What does progress look like for that for you guys? One of the highlights of ministry over the past four years has been leading English clubs, and the format is one hour of English conversation followed by half an hour of a Bible lesson and application. And what's so amazing is that we have an interesting group of people that come to these. We have one-third that are Christians, one-third that are de-churched, and one-third that are unchurched. And we try to create a safe place for people to bring those questions that you just mentioned, their doubts, their fears, and show them what it would look like if they want to follow after Jesus. Um, When COVID hit, it hit us as well, and we had a choice. We could just shut down or we could continue. We continued on Zoom, like the rest of the world, and we had our students continue as well. What was so amazing is people were so hungry for connection, and that's how God made us, to be connected to him and to be connected to others. And so after English Club was over, we said, we're going to turn off our mic and our camera, but this room is open for you as long as you want. And the students would stay and continue having conversations, sometimes even an hour after things were over. And there would be spiritual conversations that were happening. So that was just a really neat thing to see. Yeah. Yeah, the Czech people are a beautiful people, and uh, you guys are doing a great work there. And it's just, it's one step at a time. And this is just how it works with anybody in our lives, is we just, we, we're there, and we're ready, and we're just loving people and allowing the Holy Spirit to do the work that he does. And I know God's doing that through you guys. So uh, what does it look like to be praying for you as you're back in the States for a short time? Well, um, 40 years of communism uh, really played a number on the Czech psyche. Um, so... People in Czech Republic are not exactly the most trusting people right off the bat. Sure. But we have a sense that God has given us relational favor um, mm-hmm. with our students and with other Czechs that we've encountered. So, so that's both a, a praise to God for that because we know it's not just a given. But it's also a, a prayer that that would continue, that we would continue to have relational favor with the people. And that they would be curious that there would be a sense of emptiness that would cause them to be curious, that would lead them into wanting to know what it looks like to have a relationship with Jesus. Yeah. 
We are also in the midst of learning the Czech language, which is a beautiful Slavic language, but it's very difficult. And it's easy to um, get discouraged when you have a bad language day. And it's also easy to forget who you are sometimes if it's not going so well. So keeping our identity grounded in Christ and not forgetting mm. that um, we're not failures if we are having a bad language day. <laughs> bad language. That means something different for me than it does for you guys, I guess. So. <laughs> anyway. Um, and, yeah. and one more thing. Um, as we're on home assignment, uh, we're going to be in the States for the next six months, and we've got a lot to do in this time. So if you could pray that we will be able to balance like the whole relationship thing, the task thing, the responsibilities, the rest that we're supposed to get during this time, and also um, that we will be kind of uh, preparing for what the next four years of ministry in Czech Republic looks like. Sure. No, that's huge. So you guys are so loved, and we are continuing to be with you guys, and you are, they are part of our global staff, so when you give to ACF, you are giving to keep Brent and Liz on the field doing the amazing work that they're doing. I know they'd love to talk to you after service if you um, would go say hi to them, and uh, you know, I know that, what, what's the word for love in Czech? Laska. So Laska is love in Czech, so lots of love from Alaska. So let's, uh, let's pray for these guys. Jesus, thank you so much for Brent and Liz and for the call that you placed on the, their hearts. God, their, their willingness to go. God, you've placed a lot of callings on our hearts, but we don't always go. God, thank you so much for their faithfulness. I pray that you would provide them rest during this time away. Give them uh, favor, continued favor with the people of Czech Republic, uh, that they could hear from you uh, through Brent and Liz. And God, that you would just continue to solidify their relationship with you and their marriage, protect their marriage, Father. Uh, God, protect their relationships, their friendships. And uh, as Liz said, that their identity would be fully grounded, not in what they do for you, but in who you say they are. God, that would be the first thing. So we love you. Pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Would you guys give them a hand? If you are new to ACF today, we are thrilled that you're here. Um, we are a church for the church, the unchurched, and the dechurched. So uh, wherever you're at in your journey with Jesus, we're super glad that you're spending today with us. We are closing out our series one, coming into this Christmas season. Really excited about that. There's some lights outside. Have you guys seen the lights? Give it up for everybody who set up the lights outside. So awesome. There's a whole crew of you here uh, in sub-zero temperatures trying to run wires, which uh, does not work very well. So um, you guys made it happen. Thank you so much for that. There's going to be thousands of cars driving through our parking lot over the next month, and we're absolutely excited about that. By the way, if you um, are looking for a way to serve 
And just to show love to people in Eagle River, there are teams that you can sign up for. So you can go straight to our website or email our office and you can find that link as well. And so we're going to be out here all month long, standing in the evenings outside in the cold, handing out hot chocolate and coffee and and just saying hi to people as they come through. Um, For a lot of people, this will be their first time on a church property ever. And I, trust me, every year I hear about that, people are like, I drove through and I was like, is my car going to burn, burn on fire just because I'm driving through a church parking lot or, or whatever? Like people get freaked out, but it's a first step, right, for a lot of people. And so we do these things all the time just to show uh, our love for our city in a really practical and fun way. So we're really excited about that. Um, also, it's Baptism Sunday. So we're really excited to be able to baptize people. I told somebody earlier, I love it, my arm's still wet. My, my sleeve gets wet on these Sundays. I get to go home with a wet sleeve. That's how I know it's a good Sunday. But um, listen, if you have not said uh, yes to baptism yet and taken that step of faithfulness, I just want to be real with you. Today's your day. Uh, today's your day. Don't continue to wait. Uh, don't try to, oh, it's got to be this right circumstance or this right moment. Like, this is about you going public with your faith. And it's an encouragement to all of us. And God's going to use it. So um, if at any point during the service or during worship at the end, you know that today's your day. We've got everything you need uh, to get baptized today. And so you can go check in at the table in the lobby for that. But we are finishing up our series one. Uh, We've been talking about the oneness of the church and how Jesus prayed that the church would be one before he went to the cross and was resurrected. He knew that if the church wasn't one, the church would would fail ultimately. And we we started into this fall with our series Hunted, which is all about the spiritual battle that exists. And and we just try to kind of start this season coming into the fall in Alaska, acknowledging that there's a deeper deeper battle that rages, that there's an enemy that wants to destroy us and and take away from us. And there's a God that wants to bless us and wants to love us and wants to give us life. And and so we want to acknowledge that spiritual battle. And then the next step in this series that we've been in has been to talk about how one of the enemy's tactics with the church is, it's really simple, divide and conquer. Divide and conquer. Because we know that the best way to conquer anything or anyone is by taking them away from their support system or isolating them. And so one of our tendencies as people, not just church people, but just as people is to isolate. And so uh, right now, I thought it was a, maybe a great week to talk about family um, I don't know about you. I'm still full from Thanksgiving. Uh, it's like the one, one uh, day a year where like the, the gluttony sin is not a sin on Thanksgiving. Like just, just go for it, right? So we eat way too much and we have a great time with friends and with family. And normally this time of year, we're really grateful for the people in our lives, right? We slow down and we go, okay, thank you God for this friend or that friend. And, and I want you to think for a minute, who is that that you're grateful for? Who's that friend in your life that you have a deep connection with? Maybe somebody outside of your immediate Uh, genetic family is somebody that you know, man, this is somebody that's really, really good for me and good for my life. And, And maybe you've said these type of statements to this person. You've said, you bring out the best in me. Anybody in your life that you say that to, man, I just, I love that. You bring out the best in me. How about this? I like who I become when I'm around you. You just, something in you comes alive when you're near this person. How about this one? When we're hanging out, I can be myself. I'm around everybody else, I'm trying to be something different, but, but for you, I get, to, I get to be myself when I'm around you. And these are friendships that, they mean something to us. And, and they help us to grow, and they help us to develop. And um, if, you have an, if you have a pen, I want you to write down kind of a big idea for today. And here's what it is. It's that the truest you is found when you're part of us. The truest you is found when you're part of us. Part of a community, part of a family. 
Now, I know uh, for me growing up, the, the term family, it, me- it meant a lot of different things. I know in this room, when, when you hear the word family, you think of maybe you don't have a family in Alaska, or maybe you've never had any kind of immediate family, or some of you have really great families that love you well and that you love really well. But what I know about all families is families are messy, right? Families are really messy. And that's why as a kid, I used to love sleepovers um, because you would go over to a friend's house and you'd be there more than just an hour. You'd be there overnight. And so I I just still remember like at 10 p.m. at one of my buddy's house, like his parents started fighting in their, in the back room. And there was like stuff flying around and pounding and stomping. And I'm just sitting in the corner laughing like, my family's not that jacked up. Like, look at you guys. You're more of a mess than we are. And so it was like affirming that everybody behind closed doors, family is messy. Things go on, right? Things that we're not always proud of, right? One of the things uh, a few years ago, we're, we're part of this greater thing called the Christian and Missionary Alliance. It's a family of churches that we're a part of. And a few years ago in the Alliance, we started using this language to describe our, our mission as churches. And it was this, that we want to be a family on mission. We want to be a family on mission. And I like that. I like the idea of us being a family, living on mission together for the good of the lost and for the glory of God. That's like, a, that's like a good statement to make, a, a good vision and, and, and thing that we can become a family on mission for the good of the lost and for the glory of God. And I, I love that idea, but I wonder, is that who we are? And is that who the church is in general? As you look at churches in general, do you see churches are families on mission? Is that what churches are? Because I think if you look at most churches, you'll see one of these two things. You'll see either a family on mission or you'll see individuals consuming. A family on mission or individuals consuming. So question, which one are we? And maybe deeper question is, which one are you? If we look at the early church in the book of Acts, um, we see a family on mission. We really do. Um, And here's what it says in Acts 2.42. It says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to breaking of bread and to prayer. So they were getting together hearing the word of God proclaimed, learning together. They were worshiping together. They were eating together. It says, everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. So as people gathered together, what happened? Wondrous things, miraculous things, things that showed the power of God, the power of the the spirit at work. It says, all the believers were together and had everything in common. In other words, they shared things. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. So I want you to think about this. I mean, the first century church was on fire. It was crazy. This explosive growth was happening, and, and uh, a lot of scholars believe like the church in Jerusalem was like 100,000 people, so a little bigger than ACF. And uh, they were gathering, and they were meeting together. And now, how often did they get together? What did it say? They were meeting together daily. Now, now here's the deal. Nobody was telling them they had to do this. This wasn't like the, oh, back when they had this go to church daily law. No, there was no go to church daily law. The people couldn't help but be together. They, they couldn't go a week and not see one another. And, and they had, it says they had everything in common. They sold property. They sold their goods to, to, to make sure that they could meet the needs of the people. Think about that. That'd be incredible. Like if we could say there are literally zero needs within ACF church because all of those needs are being met by the, by the people, the body of, of Christ. And, and it, this idea of having everything in common just blows my mind when you think about it. Like, I mean, this is like down to their finances. 
Like shared finances. Imagine if we did this. We're like, hey, there's going to be a clipboard going around. I want you to write your bank account number and, and routing number and information. We're just going to pile all of our money into one big like Alaska, USA bank account. And then we'll just kind of figure out what to do with it. You guys would be like, I picked the wrong church, right? I don't know, honey, honey, how do we slip out of here? Act like you're getting coffee. Act like you're getting coffee, right? Like, let's just get out of this place. And you think about them meeting every day. If you knew like, man, if people in our city knew ACF Church is getting together every day. Now, these people had jobs, right? And so it wasn't like, ah, they'd, you know, wake up, get out of bed, 11 a.m., show up for a church service. This is like 5 in the morning, getting together, opening the Word of God, worshiping together, praying together, and then going out into their day and going, oh, I just can't wait to get back and do that again tomorrow. Can you imagine? I mean, you'd be like, that's a cult, right? I mean, if they're getting together. And a lot of people, if a church was doing that, would say that. Like, that's, that's like a cult, man. Which when we say that word, I think all we mean is these people are sold out for something. Like, they are sold out. And so we look at ourselves and go, man, like, the church today just seems so resistible sometimes, you know, to our community. Like, people are like, ah, I don't like, take it or leave it. Not a big deal. And and even like through the COVID season, that's been a real challenge for a lot of people. And, and in some ways, it's been a good thing because people have had to make a decision. Does the family of God matter to me or, or do I just really want to isolate and try to do this on my own anyway? And so people have, at this point, many have made their choice, right? Um, there, there's still a lot of people that are viewing online and part of our online community. And many of them are meeting in small groups. And so they're still engaging with community. But many people have completely disconnected from the body of Christ at this point. They're like, yeah, honestly, it just never meant anything to me anyway. So what does it mean to be a family? What does it mean to be? Because here's the deal. I think the idea of individuals consuming is really resistible. That's the, that's the deal. If you look at churches and you're like, yeah, it just looks like people are consuming something. They're here to just get something. That is really resistible for the lost. Nobody really needs to be a part of that, right? Like you can get that any day at Lowe's. You can just go and walk through the aisles and be around individuals who are consuming. But a family on mission, that's something special, right? That's something worth looking into. That's something worth being a part of. I wonder if you know anybody that wants nothing to do with family. Like maybe when you think about it, you're like, I've got, yeah, this brother who wants nothing to do with family or this sister-in-law that wants nothing to do with family. Maybe you yourself have felt that idea. I want nothing to do with family. You may not know this, but the story of the church is the story of God building a family. That's what he's been trying to do. And if you look at the people of Israel and their journey with God, like it was always God trying to say, hey, I am your father. I love you. I want you part of my family. And then constantly the people of God would wander away. Even after God rescuing them out of slavery for 400 years, God showing his faithfulness as a father, the people of Israel would constantly wander away from God and wander away from the family. And so if you think about it, it's almost like instead of embracing the spirit of family, Israel embraced the spirit of an orphan. And now what is an orphan? Or to have a, a spirit of an orphan is just to, to live apart from the perfect love of God. Like maybe that was you. Maybe you, you grew up literally as an orphan, always kind of wondering if you could ever feel accepted or feel uh, embraced, always kind of working to feel like, to, to, so you could be impressive to people or feel like you're part of the family, never really feeling embraced. That's the spirit of an orphan. So then Jesus hits the scene. And once again, we always come back to the way Christ lived. He gives us an example of what it means to be part of a family. 
So in light of Christ, here's what that means. You can write this down if you want. If Israel shows us the spirit of the orphan, Jesus shows us the spirit of family. He gives us this way of living, the embodiment of what it means to live in a connected way. We know Jesus, he didn't live for the love of God, but from the love of God. He didn't come to be served, but to serve, right? Jesus is the perfect family member. Jesus knew the value of family and how to love a family. And so you need to know this. You're here today, maybe you're like, I don't really want a family. You might not want a family, but listen, God's like, I'm going to build a family and I want you to be a part of it. The whole goal is that God wants to build his church. And the word church is really the family of God. It's not the building. It's us. It's the people of God. Second Corinthians 6.18 says, I will be a father to you and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. So God says, I'm going to be a father. You're going to be my children. I am out to build a family. Now, this kind of sounds good, depending on where you come from. You're like, nope. Still, I hate the word family. Some of you might love it because you had, you know, good experiences with family so far. But culturally speaking, there's a lot of undermining of family going on right now. When you think about it, I think one of the things I see is that in our society, we've obsessed with our own success, right? It's all about individual success. You do whatever you need to do so that you can make your way up, whatever it is, the corporate ladder or start the business or take care of yourself. It's all about you, Even in the church, what we've done is preached a lot of this individual salvation. And so salvation is all about your personal relationship with Jesus. Have you heard that before? Personal relationship with Jesus. This has not always been the message. For the early church, it was all about our communal relationship with Jesus. Yeah, you can know Jesus, but it's about the family of God following God together on mission for the sake of the lost, for the good and the glory of God. And so That's how they live, but we've kind of wandered into this other thing where we've gone, it's all about your individual salvation, but the Bible wasn't just written to you, it was written to the church. So you can get all sideways when it's all about you. And then if you get sold this like, hey, you know, you're a sinner, Jesus loves you, he's going to rescue you from your sin, and so then one day maybe you pray to receive Jesus, you're like, well, now I'm done, because he saved me, so I'm good, right? And you forget, no, 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 you've been invited into a family. Don't miss this here, eyes up here real quick. When you get Jesus, you get a family, okay? They come together, right? This is a package deal. It's like when you get married, you get her mother, right? You get her father. You get the whole, when you get the bride, you get a family, right? There's a lot that comes with this, but we're like, no, 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 I'm just going to take the Jesus part, right? I think one of the problems that we see culturally right now um, is that we've lost respect for age, uh, in many societies, gray hair is a sign of affluence and influence, and um, it's a big deal when you get older, right? You get more respect, not in the United States. You hit a point in the United States, people kind of, you just get pushed off to the side. But at the same time, as people age, what's happened is we've lo- lost respect for youth. And so there's a lot of criticism of the young that can happen both outside of the church, even inside the church. So you've got people with gray hair criticizing the young people, young people criticizing the people with gray hair, right? I've got some gray hairs, by the way, just so you know. That's the camp apparently I'm in, thanks to the Lord. But um, by the way, this started beginning of COVID, so it's done something to me anyway. But I think we've lost this ability to honor all demographics, which is why I love ACF. We have such a great blend of people here. Um, We have a lot of young people, 
And I always respect older people who show up to ACF. I hear this a lot, where somebody will have a few gray hairs, maybe be in their 50s, 60s, or 70s, and they walk in and they're like, I didn't know if I fit in here. And I'm always like, please stick around. We need you. We need you. We need people of all different ages and demographics. It's why, like, for me, I, I always uh, I cringe when pastors get up and make fun of millennials, partly because I am one, um, so I can make fun of millennials. But at the same time, there's this tendency to kind of criticize youth. And here's the deal. If you're young here, God wants to use you. And the disciples were all between the ages of, like, 13 and 20. So, um, I mean, trust me, God wants to use you in ACF Church in incredible ways. And so this is undermining this feeling of family, this feeling of community. I was reading this week uh, an article by David Brooks that he wrote in the Atlantic, and he's talking about how we've grown as a society more detached than we've ever been. We're just disconnecting from one another. And here's what he says. He says, if you want to summarize the changes in family structure over the past century, the truest thing to say is this. We've made life freer for individuals and more unstable for families. We've made life better for adults, but worse for children. We've moved from big, interconnected, and extended families which help protect the most vulnerable people in society from the shocks of life to smaller, detached nuclear families, which is a married couple and their children. So all he's saying here is that we've lost this interconnectivity. And some of it's just been the progression of our technology and all of those things. You know, we can be more disconnected today um, and maybe not even realize it, even just from transportation. A hundred years ago, when you grew up in a, in a town or in a, in a neighborhood, you kind of hung out there and many people would die in that same community. So they just didn't, tra- didn't move around as much as today. It's like, I can work from anywhere. I can live anywhere I want to go. Like we live in a, a technological world where transportation has gotten us very disconnected from one another so that we can go, again, seek out our own mission and our own journey for ourselves. And we've become, I think the key word in that was the word detached. We've slowly detached from one another, from these interconnected communities to individuals. And there's nothing wrong with a nuclear family that's healthy. Like, we want healthy parents and healthy children. And that's not the issue here. The issue is when we focus on the nuclear family at the expense of God's family. Does that make sense? And we do this all the time. And this is how the society and the culture makes its way into the church. Is like, hey, it's all about your family. So as long as you come to ACF and they've got a good kids program for your kids and a good youth program for your teenagers and and you feel pretty good about, you know, being in here and you learn some things, as long as your family's happy, then you just kind of keep continuing. And the problem is, like, when you take away the product or something is a challenge, then, then maybe you don't stick around. And so it's not so much about the family, it's about the product, right? Which if that's the case, then we've definitely moved from a family on mission to individuals consuming. I would say one of the main reasons people do love ACF, though, is because I hear this all the time. It, it feels like family. Even though we're a, a bigger church, um, you'll come in here and maybe get to be part of an ACF group or part of a serve team. And I hear it all the time. Man, my serve team is my family. Like, they're praying for me. They're supporting me. And I just love that. ACF feels like family. Another term I never heard till I got up here to Alaska was um, my Alaska family. You guys ever use that? Maybe you heard that around the Thanksgiving table, like, man, I'm just so thankful for you guys because you're my Alaska family. And this idea of Alaska family is that we've got people who are near us, who are not our biological family, who are connected to us, who support us, who we love. And, uh, and it's so important that we have those things. And so all of this goes to ask, I think, a big question. This is maybe the, most big que- the biggest question of the morning, which is this. 
What kind of family member are you? So we've all got like an image in our mind. If you're a believer and you're looking for a church, maybe today's your first time here. Welcome. But you've got this image in your mind of what kind of church you want to be a part of, right? So nobody shows up at a church and they're like, man, I just hope these, all these people are super greedy. And I just hope none of them want relationships. And they all want to just do what's best for themselves. And I hope they never share the gospel with our community. And I hope they never serve. Nobody ever says that. These are the things we want to see in a community. But here's what I, I say this all the time. ACF will only become who we are as individuals. So the question is, what kind of family member are you? Are you, are you embodying the things that you hope the church would become, right? Like, it's kind of ridiculous if you show up here and you're like, yeah, I'm none of these things, but I want a church that is these things. No, our city will know us for who we are as individuals. ACF will only be who we are becoming as people. So how did Jesus view family? Jesus had a family, right? He grew up like a normal man. And I mean, he had, he had family around him that knew him from when he was really little to when he was older. And at this, there's a point in Matthew chapter 12 where he's talking to a crowd of people and he gets confronted with this idea of family. And here's what happens. It says, while Jesus was still talking to the crowd, his mother and brothers stood outside wanting to speak to him. Okay, so, so his mother and his brothers are standing around and they're seeing all these people gathering around Jesus because Jesus is like, Man, he's healing people and he's working miracles and all the crowd, they're just, they're clamoring for his attention and his, his immediate family is like, hey, we get dibs on Jesus. Hey, this, I'm his mother, right? Right? I'm, I'm standing around here and I want to get through the crowd. I'm his brother, like, come on. Like, I get dibs on Jesus. They're wanting to speak to him. It says someone told him, I just, I don't know why I laugh at this story, but it's like, I just imagine he's like speaking to this crowd and somebody taps on his shoulders. Jesus, your mother and brothers are standing outside and they're wanting to speak to you. And Jesus is like, here's what he replies with. Who is my mother and who are my brothers? Pointing to his disciples, he said, here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. And I can hear the crowd go, oh, like, that's your mom, dude. Like, this is not going to go over well when you go home, right? This is a, this is, just think about how offensive this would be if you were the mother and the brothers. It's like, you would be like, it's gone to his head, right? All the attention's gone to his head. He's forgotten who he is, right? I get it, Jesus. You would be offended by this, but Jesus makes this shocking point, And here's what it is. It's that when we follow Jesus, we get a family. And that family's roots go even deeper than our biological family. They go even deeper than our nuclear family. It's called the family of God. It's your brothers and sisters in Christ. Now, we make mistakes. I know I've made mistakes with my immediate family, right? Said a few things I shouldn't have said, done things I shouldn't have done. And the same thing is true in the family of God. If your family is messy, guess what the family of God is? A little messy, right? So here's some mistakes I think we make. First, I think we isolate because of shame. So we don't lean into the family of God because we've got some wounds, we've got some problems, some issues in our lives. And so uh, maybe you just kind of start by pulling away from going to church for a little while. And then if you're gone for like a month or so, you start feeling shame. Some people do. Like, oh man, I gotta get back to church. And then like, <laughs> this happens all the time. You'll see your pastor and Fred Meyer after church on a Sunday, 
right? And I have these strange conversations with some of you. And you're like, oh, I was been watching online. I just, I just been kind of sick and I was traveling. And I'm like, I just wanted to see how you're doing. You know, like I don't take church attendance. That's not my job. But there can be this awkwardness like, oh, they're going to ask me why I haven't been around and I just feel bad about it or whatever. And it can cause you to isolate. Some of you just have some wounds that are causing you to isolate, like some, some sicknesses and some mindsets and, and even some addictions and things that you're like, I don't want to be around the people of God right now. I don't want to be around the church because I just feel worse about myself. Oh, I hope that's not the case. Man, I, I, church should be the last place that you come and just feel worse about yourself, right? I mean, you should come here and go, man, I can't believe Jesus died for this, right? And I'll know, although I know this needs some saving, and I know that I've got some problems, man, I must be really valuable for God to die for me. That's what you should leave church feeling, but sometimes we don't. We carry our wounds. We carry our mistakes into church with us. Some of you might need to hear this today. Listen, your wounds and your flaws don't separate you from the family of God. They're actually what qualify you to be a part of it. That's the gospel. Your wounds, your flaws, do not disqualify you or separate you from the family. They are what qualifies you. So we, if you're wondering, like, what are all these people in this room, if you're new to ACF or new to Christianity, this is not the we figured life out crowd, okay? This is the we need a savior crowd. This is the we need some saving, we need some grace, we know that we need some help, and we're just finally to the point of admitting it publicly, that's why we're here. And so if you're, if you're like, well, that's kind of me, then join the family, right? That's, that's what we're here to do. Maybe you just feel shame because you haven't given Jesus your shame. Honestly, maybe you're here and you're disconnecting from the family of God and you're like, man, I just want to be more part of a church and I want to be more engaged, but I just, for whatever reason, I don't do that. Maybe the problem is Jesus isn't your father yet. Maybe you haven't made him your father, which means you're not part of the family. So if you want, write this down. Seeing Jesus as your father will lead to seeing church as your family. I think this is a huge barrier that people don't even know is there. You're like, man, I just keep trying to go to church, keep trying to be a part of this thing. And, and, and you're just never going to be able to try hard enough if you don't first make Jesus your father and just accept his love for you. I think another mistake we meet is, make is this, that we wait until we need family to find family. It's our last ditch effort, Right? Like for a lot of people, that's why maybe you walk into church. It's just like, this is my last ditch effort. I've tried everything. <sighs> I guess I'll go to church, right? Here's what you need to know is that the church is not God's last resort. It's his plan A. It is his plan A for the work that he wants to do in the world. Don't wait until you need a family to find it. That's the worst time to try to find some friends. Don't wait for the diagnosis or wait for the marriage to fall apart or wait until your anxiety and depression is so bad that you're literally not sure if you want to be around another day to go, I should find some friends. Do that sooner. Lean in quicker. Don't wait until you need a family to find it. And I was thinking, why in the first century was there such an explosion of this? Like I said, this wasn't like you got to get together every day and you got to do these things. Like there was just this thirst and hunger for the community of God. And I think here's a really simple answer. Because they needed a family. They needed it. So if you contrast that with many of us today, 
We don't need the family of God. And for some of us, let's be honest, we like it that way. We don't want to need anybody. And so we design our lives so that we won't need anyone. For them in the first century, if you chose to be a follower of Jesus, what you were doing was you were saying, I am actually going to be ostracized and excommunicated from my, from my earthly family, and now I'm joining a spiritual family. And so the idea of like becoming a Christian and not joining the church was ridiculous to them because they needed it so much. Because they were going to lose, they might lose their job. They would probably lose most of their friends. They would probably lose uh, relationships with their immediate family. And so it's like, well, praise God, I have my spiritual family. So for them, this literally was family. They lived lives that caused them to need that family. They spoke, they shared the gospel. Do you know when you share the gospel, it can kind of rub people the wrong way? Do you know when you talk about your faith, it can rub people the wrong way? Even, especially today, right? Where we live in a society that's like, hey, sharing the gospel is actually the wrong thing to do because you're kind of stepping on their belief system. And so the most loving thing to do is just keep your distance. That's what is preached. It's not the truth. The most loving thing we can do is share the gospel with someone. Even if it's not what they believe, even if it kind of rubs up against what they currently believe to be true about reality. But that means you're going to have to risk it once in a while. Like you're going to have to speak up once in a while. If you think about Jesus, why was Jesus crucified? He was not crucified because he fed the poor. He wasn't crucified because he healed the sick. He was crucified because he said, I am God in the flesh. He was crucified for what he preached. So just don't, don't miss this. This is so big because for us as a church family, it's not that we don't practice what we preach. I think the problem is we don't preach what we practice. Does this make sense? So like we'll go out and we'll, we'll feed people and we'll help people. You guys are incredibly generous. Like you will give to initiatives to, to help families in our church, families in the community. Like we will do incredible things. And some of us do really good things like that so that we don't have to preach what we practice. Like if I help people and serve people enough, then I don't actually have to talk about Jesus. And what happens is we don't end up needing the church. So, so let me ask you this. How much has it cost you to follow Jesus? Has following Jesus ever cost you the relationship? Because you were like, man, I'm, and I'm not talking about shoving it down people's throats, right? I'm not just talking about making it awkward in every situation. You know, sky's blue. You know, God made the sky. Oh, you need Jesus. Like we don't need to do that. But when it makes sense, when the Spirit's at work and you're like, now's the time, and you get that sense in your heart, and you're like, I gotta say something. Or maybe it's just as simple as like an invitation to church, and you don't do it, it's because, man, you know that the risk is too much and it's just not worth it to you. But for the people of the first century, they were like, I am stepping from these relationships into this primary relationship. Now, my primary family is now the family of God, and for them, they really, really needed it. It's why I think um, so many of us end up uh, using the church and church shopping, like, by, which, by the way, like, it's just a terrible term, church shopping. If we're asking the question, are we consumers or are we here as a family on mission, it kind of fits with the consuming side, right? Well, we're just kind of church. How do you pick a church? I don't know. How, how's our kids' ministry or whatever? I think it'd be better just to say, I'm looking for a family that's on mission that I can be a part of, that I can support. I mean, that, that, that's the idea. Like, I want to show up and go, what's God doing in a community? And, and, and is there a way that he's gifted me to be a part of it? And if that's the case, join the family. 
C.S. Lewis in his book, Screwtape Letters, which is a great book just about how the devil works, he talks about uh, a tactic of the devil to keep you from loving the family of God. And here's what he says. He says, surely you know that if a man can't be cured of church going, the next best thing is to send him all over the neighborhood looking for the church that suits him until he becomes a taster or connoisseur of churches. That Lewis, he's a pretty smart guy. This is a tendency in all of us. It's like I'm a little, I'm kind of taking tastes of churches. It's like a buffet of churches in Eagle River, 40-something churches. And it's like, well, let's just kind of take a taster of churches to whatever suits my own desires instead of loving the bride that Christ died for. And this is our call. So I think we use the church primarily, I think it comes down to this, we don't comprehend her value to us. And, and I think really we don't comprehend her value to God. Ephesians 2.19 it says, consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. Now, I want you to listen to this. This is like construction language, if you're in the construction world. So listen to the language he's going to use here. Members of his household built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him... You two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. So he's speaking about the church. He's like, hey, church, you are literally like a bunch of, bunch of bricks. <laughs> Sounds like an insult, but it's not. A bunch of bricks. But like you're a bunch of stones being joined together to build something beautiful. Like a brick on its own is kind of worthless. There's no purpose. It's just going to sit there. But a brick joined together with other bricks builds a beautiful building. This is what the church is. It's like you were never meant to be separate and living on your own, but joined together. And he said, this is so key. I, I noticed this this week. Um, I just had never noticed kind of this part of the text was this idea that, that this is where God dwells by his spirit, is in, is in the family of God, in the church, not this building, but in us, in us. This is where the Spirit of God dwells. That's why when the early church would get together, that's when the miracles were happening. was because that's where the Spirit of God was dwelling. Once again, the truest Jew is found when you're part of us. God dwells in his body. And you're going to become everything that God has placed inside you when you get around other believers. And that's how you're going to develop, and that's how you're going to grow, is in the body of Christ. Again, the church is not God's last resort. It's his plan A. For, for, for his work in the world and to transform you. And so maybe whatever you're praying for, whatever the miracle is that you're praying for right now, maybe God's going to answer that prayer, not when you're just at home alone, Christmas reference, at home alone, but couldn't help myself, but maybe it's going to get answered in church when you're with the people of God, right? Like you're going you're gonna to pray with God's people and God's going to answer that prayer in community, right? I'm praying for my marriage. Well, maybe you need to get around other healthy marriages, People who love Jesus. Instead of letting the church be your last ditch effort, make it the primary place that we go to get healing. And I think here's the reason that we use the church as a last resort. I think it's, it, this is so key. Is that we want the power of God without the people of God. But God wants to use the people of God to show us the power of God. This is how it's going to work. You can't do it alone. And you're not going to see everything that God has for you on your own. God wants to use the people of God to show us the power of God. The power is important. When we speak about power in the church, we speak about the spirit of God at work in the church. 
Because you've been in churches where you're like, there's just, it seems like there's just not any power here. And then you've seen, man, it just seems like there is some power here. What is the difference? The difference is people living on mission together for the good of the lost and for the glory of God. There's power in that. And without the power, it's just, there's nothing going on. It's kind of just an empty building. In fact, so uh, I love power tools. I, got, I had one of these on my Christmas list a little while ago. Um, I love battery-powered tools. I mean, who wants a cord? It's 2021. We need batteries and stuff. And so I love battery-powered power tools. And so I remember getting one of these uh, for Christmas a while back. And it worked for a couple of years. And then finally, the battery dies. I think they programmed that into it. At, at year three, the battery's got to burn up on the thing. And so I'm like, well, I'll just, I'll just go get a new battery. And, uh, you know, I get online. I look up the price of the battery. It's always, the, the price of the battery is more than the price of the stupid tool, Right? And I was like, well, why do they do that? And I'm like, well, because they're smart and they know that that tool is literally worthless without the power, right? It does nothing without the battery. And I feel like there's a lot of people getting together in buildings and there's no power. There's a lot of people getting together every Sunday morning and it's like, there's just no power. And that's because if you show up here and you just kind of hang out for a second, listen to the word of God and you leave and you do nothing to connect with one another, there's no power in that. He's literally saying, you are bricks joined together to build this beautiful place where the Spirit of God dwells. That's what we want to be. And here's the beautiful thing, is when we become that, God, and I see it around us, is that God is, is doing incredible things. There's power in that. And there's irresistibility to that. The people in our city are going to notice a family on mission living together. They're going to notice that. And here's the thing um, about the mission that we have, is that every Everything we need to fulfill our mission is already in the church today. It's sitting right here in front of me. God has given us, he's given us a mission, and he's literally given us everything we need to fulfill the mission. It's not that it's not there, it's just that we choose not to use it. So think about that. In this room today, we have leadership skills. We have communication skills. We have networks of friends. You know people I don't know. We have theological insight, right? We have financial resources, we have buildings, we have businesses, we have homes. Think of the, the horsepower of that in our city. We have stories of life change. Has Jesus changed your life? No one, right? No, Jesus has changed your life. He's done things. We have people who've been set free from addiction. People have overcome depression, right? We have people in this church who bake. Praise God for the bakers in the room, <laughs> right? Like there's power in that, the ability just to use whatever it is that God has placed inside of you to, to fulfill his mission. Everything we need to fulfill the mission of God is right here in the seats. The question is, are we using those gifts? Well, the only way to know really if we're doing this well is just go back. How, how did Jesus live? What kind of family member was Jesus? I'm going to give you a few things. The first is from, from Philippians 2. It, uh, it says, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature a God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even on a cross. So we shop for churches. Jesus dies for them. And so Jesus dies on a cross for the church. So a few things he does. First, he showed up. So at just the right time, this is what we celebrate at Christmas. We're coming into this. This is the season of Advent beginning today, by the way. 
which Advent just means coming. It's the celebration of Christ coming to the world. And so we're celebrating the, the Christ that showed up at just the right time. Listen, sometimes the first thing you need to do is just show up for the people of God. You just show up. Like, like I said earlier, I watched a whole crowd of you setting up Christmas lights for the drive through freezing your fingers off, right? Trying to run staplers in the cold. Because why? Because you wanted to show up. I see you show up to serve here. I see you showing up to church. Today, you showed up. So sometimes the most powerful thing you can do is just show up, right? You hear of a need, you hear of an opportunity. And I'm not saying, you know, if you're like, oh, I have boundaries. God bless your boundaries, right? I have boundaries too. But at the same time, maybe you can take one step. Maybe it's like one thing. You're like, well, I give God an hour on Sunday morning. Okay, that's a great start. Maybe it's like, well, now I'm going to join a serve team. Or now I'm going to show up to help serve this next month. Maybe one of these days to just pass out cookies and hot chocolate to people as they drive on our property. Maybe that's your next step. But just showing up can be really, really powerful for any family. Did you ever have a family member that showed up for one of your games when you were playing? Maybe a sport as a kid. Maybe you're playing football or basketball. And I mean, of all the people in the crowd, I bet you noticed when your family member showed up. You're always looking at dad, you know, you're dribbling, like there he is, you know, or whatever. Like it means something when someone from the family shows up. So show up for the family of God. How about this? Um, Jesus, he fulfilled his calling as a family member. He knew what he was called to do and what he wasn't. Jesus was not trying to fulfill other people's calling at all. Like I'm so glad hearing from Brent and Liz that they weren't like, man, there's a lot of need in Prague. And then they weren't like, is anybody else going to Prague? What's everybody else doing? No, they were like, no, we're called to Prague, so we're going to Prague because that's what God has placed inside of me. God has got a calling on your life, and it's not what he has placed on your neighbor's life. It's for you. And so fulfilling your calling. And last thing is he served and gave generously. Jesus lived so generously. I mean, don't you want to be part of a generous family? I know I do. Generosity is a beautiful aspect of any healthy family. And so for you, I just want, to think, want you to think about it. Again, if you want to be a part of a healthy family, are you a generous person? Are you embodying that attribute? Matthew 6, 21, Jesus says this, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. This is such a big deal. Jesus basically says, hey, what do you want to love the most? Well, put your money in that. Whatever you want to love the most, put your finances toward the thing that you want to love the most because your heart will just go on after it. That's why some of you have been checking Bitcoin all service long. You're like, how's my crypto doing? And I get it. Like I, and I'm not against investing. I'm just telling you that where your, where your money goes is where your heart goes. So you get to choose what you want to love by where you put your finances. Jesus gave generously. He gave everything. And he died for the sake of the church. And so again, we got to go, okay, what, is, what does it look like then to live faithfully as part of this family? So I don't know what your next step is. You want to pull out your action card here real quick? Um, you can tear this off the bottom and drop this in uh, one of the boxes on the way out if you want. You just kind of tear that off. But maybe your first step is to join the family of God. Maybe that's the first thing you, do, you need to do is you're like, the reason I kind of resist this whole family thing is because I'm not part of it. I'm not actually part of the family. So today, maybe you're making the decision to say, I need to receive God as a good father and believe that, that there can actually be a good father, even though maybe you've had some different experiences. Maybe today you're committing that you're going to show up for stuff, like whatever it is. You're like, oh, I show up for church once in a while. Maybe it's like, okay, maybe you can make a commitment to being here every week 
the month of December. Maybe that's a good place to start. I'm just going to try to show up to church every week. Studies show that most people show up to church about once or twice a month. So maybe you're like, I'm going to try to just be consistent with the family of God, or I'm going to join a small group or something. For you, maybe it's time to take a step in generosity. If that's you, you're like, well, that's why I don't really love the family of God, because I haven't invested in it financially in any way. And so maybe God's calling you to do that, like to take a step and go, man, I'm just going to take a step of faith and see if my heart starts to go with the thing that I invest in. And the last opportunity here is this. Maybe today is your day to get baptized. And I don't know if today is your day. We've got this tank on stage, but we just fill up this tank every month and we just pray for you and pray that God would move in your heart and, and that you would have the courage to go public with your faith. And that's simply what baptism is. Uh, I know a lot of people are like, I'm waiting for the perfect moment and the perfect time. No better time like than the present, right? The Bible's pretty clear. You get today. God has only promised you today. And so if you've made Jesus the Lord and leader of your life but never been baptized, I just, I want you to hear this. You've never waited too long to do it. If it's been 30 years and you're like, I should have done that a long time ago, make today the day that you make that right. Or maybe today if you made that decision for the first time, um, today's your day to get baptized. Either way, we'd love to get you set up at the table out there and love to baptize you. Would you stand up? I'll pray for us as we move on and worship. God, thank you for your church and thank you for the family that you died for. Father, it's so easy to live isolated and focused on ourselves. Forgive us for living a life that is about us. God, we know as we join your family, you've made life about you and about the people around us. God, we ask that you would show us each what our next step is, how we can love each other better, love your church better. Help us to identify where the block is, God. If it's just maybe a wound we need to forgive ourselves for or forgive our biological parents for so that we can step forward faithfully into your family, may, may we do that. God, if it's our own fears and anxiety, could we just lay those things at your feet? Thank you so much, Jesus. You don't ask us to be good enough to come to you. You just say, come. So God, I pray we would. And God, I pray for the person who might be considering baptism, that you'd give them the courage to take that step as well. We pray it all in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Love you guys. Thanks for watching this message from ACF Church. Uh, we hope it's encouraged you and challenged you to be more like Jesus and to walk with him in a closer and more profound way. If you'd like to give to the mission of ACF Church, you can do so at the link on the screen or at acfak.org. We love you and we'll see you next week.